All right, you guys ready? Let's do this. You're listening to the best of the best of the best. Fully loaded. It was so good. Luck, luck, luck. I don't think I've ever been chuffed. And what the mouth word said was, you talk too much. Scotty Potty Hay. Someone slapped me. That is not that crazy. That's hard. Losers. This is like proof of the supernatural. This is not the first goal scored by a hand this month. What? You made your own luck. You win by winning. When he plays, he scores. You're a pouty baby that doesn't deserve to be a baby. He's just a beardo. Si, senor. I would like the Pollo Ranchero, por favor. I'm just going to pour myself another bourbon and just let this thing roll. All right, welcome to the latest edition of the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast. This is David Smith. Scott Weeby. Coming in salty. Always. Scott Weeby. Scott coming Weeby in coming salty. in salty. Brian Shusko. Hey, I listen. mean, Dave, Dave just learned about Yacht Rock. Yeah. Like, like a lot of other people listening to this are going to go, what's Yacht Rock? Oh, no, people know Yacht Rock. Bull. Bull. Yeah, sure, last... some people do. It is not like super common, everyone knows it. For the last seven minutes, Dave has been, uh, what was that game show where you got to listen to like seconds of a song and you had to guess what song I could was? name that song. Name in... that tune? Name, that, name that, tune that tune and then Beat Shazam is the current form Nobody... of the game show. I'm Nobody telling you who... right now, yeah, Scott, okay. yeah, I yeah. need to put Brian on this show. I was going through exactly. Spotify's Yacht Rock playlist yep. because I was learning about what the hell Yacht Rock was. Mm-hmm. And Brian knew like every single yep. song yep. and like artist and title. Yeah, and singing along to the lyrics. Yeah. I, I am truly blown away. You are <laughs> but, free. Whatever. Anyone in the world can do that. that. No, that's not true. Yeah. I mean, I could do that with songs that came on the radio sometime, like between the years of 1999 and 2003. That's the years I stopped listening to music. <laughs> We're a great team here. We are a great team. Okay, are there is there is there partners in Name That Tune? Like, could we be a duo? I don't know. I would be great, though. Family Name That Tune? I don't know. The only one he didn't get was a song by Pablo Cruz. I'd never heard of it either. So there's no shame in that. I did but not. Like I did not one. know you really helped my trivia tonight by letting me know that. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being like the theme Gold, song. Golden Girls. Girls theme. That song that an artist named Andrew Gold wrote, or at least sings a version of that song. I'm not sure that that's the original. That actually version. might have been I the original. Care. What kind of sounded I, yeah. the original? There's Anyways. not a lady singing it, which is how the Golden Girls theme is. What are we doing here tonight? I really, actually, you know what I'm wondering right now? What? I'm wondering what DJ Newton thinks right Man. now as he's listening to this. We might need DJ Newton to send us some more beats. We definitely do. <laughs> we definitely do. Although I doubt he calls That's them so beats. That's so funny. Yeah. But uh, D- yeah, DJ Newton, I'd love to know what you think right now. Uh, send, send us a direct, a direct message. We'd love to, love to read it. Uh, we're here to close out the season. Now, this is a little delayed. I mean, most people are already moving on to summer signings and and the the you know the pictures of third kits that are going to be debuting in the twenty twenty one season already. Some of us are relishing in trophy glory, Scott. That's absolutely true. Which we'll get to that in your Arsenal moment later on in this podcast. We couldn't have known when we planned out our summer vacations that at the end of July 
No one could have. This would be this. when the Premier League season would actually end. Sure. So I was on vacation. We chose to delay this episode a week. I'm glad you guys went along with that, by the way. Thank mm-hmm, you for allowing mm-hmm. us to delay this. So this is obviously going to be probably the last season in review that you get uh, from the 1920 Premier League season. But you know us by now. You know that this is going to be a 1920 season recap that only your Fantasy Soccer FC podcast hosts could provide. And I'm kind of excited about this. I think we've got a great agenda. It's going to be great. And it all began with Yacht Rock, so it can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. Brian, will you get us started? Let's wrap up the entire season and get on with this. All right. <laughs> Let's start by celebrating some winners, shall we? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. A.A. Ron. Mini, mini league. Wow. Did this dude... Turn it on. We have a mini, mini league. We, we referenced this. We have done so throughout the entire season. Uh, you can be a part of this as part of our uh, Patreon sponsorship. Uh, again, patreon.com. Look up Fantasy Soccer FC. Uh, Diane's joining our league. We reference all-star listener Diane ref- uh, multiple times throughout here at the end of the season. But in that mini, mini league, we affectionately refer to it, hearkening back to Louis Van Gaal's days at Manchester United, as what is this world twisted? Mm-hmm. A.A. Ron wins it, and he wins it going away. Yeah, it wasn't really not even close. close. He just better be glad that he had a head start on me because I was right on his nipping at his heels on the restart. Yeah, if you only hadn't started like 300 points behind him. <laughs> that's true. Then he would have had a chance. Yes, that's right. You know, they, there, were, there were 30 game weeks prior, Dave. <sighs> Forgot about those. those. Those counted too. Hey, listen, I can't say anything. I finished behind you, so there's really nothing much to say. But A.A. Ron did a wonderful job. Yes, Finished strong with a 67 in game week 38. And, and not just the biggest fish in a tiny, tiny pond. He was close in the bigger league anyway. I think he was fourth. He finished fifth. He fell to fourth. Fourth or fifth. Okay. Fifth. So that leads us perfectly into the Fantasy Soccer FC podcast mini league. This is our first year of having this of having this league, and we were thrilled to have the participation that we had. It was Gosh, a very was competitive amazing. league. We referenced, you know, the top three multiple weeks, most weeks as we went throughout the season. Aaron finished fifth in that league. But uh, came back in a major way. Absolutely. He just fell short of fourth by three points to Dominion 2000. Xander and he was finished there, fourth. Dominion 2000 was there at the top the entire season. All season long. Uh, finishing 14 points ahead of Dominion 2000 was FC Goody. Which, and he was hanging around the top Gustav five Gustav was all up season. there as well, Absolutely. Nirvana State finished 24 points ahead of him in second place. Michael Nirvana State, you were you were up and down. He, I think he was, I was up and down say, a little bit. He was bit, a late bloomer. But he, he must definitely have nailed was, the restart. Yeah. Well, and he and he definitely was a, a top a top performer in the final week, scoring 70 in game week 38 plus. First place, the winner of the first ever Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast League, Kenneth Downing Young Boys. 24-10 final score. Finished 12 points ahead of Nirvana State. What was his overall rank? Overall rank was 1,762. That is a great season. <laughs> that is a Really good season. That is so good. Hey, listen. Downing Young Boys, I would love it if you would, if you get a moment and you get a chance and you're interested at all, we'd love to possibly interview you and uh, congratulate you via podcast. Love to have you on. Reach out to us via one of the outlets, and uh, and we would love to try to make that happen. So congratulations. Top, pretty much top 1,000, top 1,500, top 1,200. That is so ridiculously good. 
And um, if you get into four digits, I think you can be that's filthy. thrilled with what you oh accomplished in a season, much less almost in the top thousand. That's yeah, that's, that's insanity. Season. It's so good. But hey, it was awesome having such great participation in the league, and then to have the top top scores be ranked so high. Uh, that is just uh, great to be a part of. Honestly, if you are listening to this and you participate in our league, we'd love to hear from you as well. You know how to reach us on social media. We mention it on every show. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. Our website is fantasysoccerfc.com. No matter what you choose or prefer to to use to follow up with us, we'd love to hear from you. I did have uh, a few a few players, a few steady listeners, people who listen to us every single week, have already reached out uh, since the end of the season to, to thank us for another season of podcasting, another season of playing. Uh, occasionally some of you have asked for advice, which is always dangerous to do, but we will always offer some up if asked. We like to we like to participate with you on social media, so feel free to reach out. Kenneth and others, uh, what, it was a great season, and I'm glad we got to the end of it. We were able to see the end of it. I was actually thinking earlier today about how crazy our COVID-19 break shows were, but I kind of miss them a little bit because they were so random and fun. <laughs> Hopefully you were listening to those uh, with us. There will be summer shows. We will have a plan for our summer upcoming that we will uh, discuss. So just keep subscribing, keep listening. We will keep releasing episodes, and we will make sure that you are ready for the 2021 season, which is coming very, very soon. Five weeks, dude. Not long at all. As we get ready to say hello to the 2021 season, we still need to say goodbye officially as a podcast to Bournemouth. See you later. And Watford. Not going to miss you. Dave, for once, I am thrilled that you won a bet. I've won a few bets this year, Scott. And we'll get to that. And I, that's part I, and of I've our wrap-up. And I've lost a few. Yeah, we'll see who won more between you and I. But My, my gut says that I won a significantly more. At least that's what I want to believe. Uh huh. But I, I keep, did win this. I keep the notes, so I, I did yeah. win the odds are this. Not in your favor. I'm happy to see you win this one. Watford did get relegated. When we sat down here two weeks ago, knowing that there were two match weeks, well, parts of one and then a full match week after that yet to be played, you had said, "Oh yeah, Villa's not beating Arsenal," and then Villa did beat uh, Arsenal. Yeah. And when that happened, that significantly increased your chances of winning this bet and Watford getting relegated. Again, I'm not sad about it. Watford deserves to be in the lowest you're ring. You're trying to discredit my bet even though I won football hell. No, That's, I'm giving you credit. You're trying to discredit it a little bit. How am I discrediting it, it, this? It was hiding in there a little bit. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it was. No. I'm happy you won the bet. Sure. Sure. Look, I said, uh, I said Villa was going to stay up. Technically, I was right. I did think that uh, Arsenal would beat them, but that they would stay up on goal differential. Turns out, they stayed up on goal differential. Yeah, but probably, well, no, they, they stayed up by being one point ahead of Bournemouth. But had Villa not gotten that one point against Sheffield United in the very first match of Project Restart, because Interesting. Hawkeye wasn't turned on yet. Crazy. It, isn't it and the crazy occlusion. And it comes back to that. Yeah. It does, because if Villa don't have that point, Bournemouth stays up on goal differential. Here's the thing no one's going to miss Bournemouth. It's a small club. I'm going to miss Bournemouth no, a little I'm bit. I'm absolutely no, going to miss Bournemouth. No one's going no to miss the Cherries. You know whose fault it is? It's, Honestly, not, it's not Hawkeye's fault. It's Ryan Fraser's fault. Let, we all know just, that. Let's just oh, be honest. Enemy of the Listen, show. Let's be honest. Villa is a Premier League club, they have a Premier League stadium. They're Premier League club. 
That doesn't. Bournemouth, that, a stadium alone doesn't make you a Premier yes, League club. Yes, it does. No. Bournemouth is a League Two club. I want Villa already to be relegated next season. I wish that they weren't coming up. I want no Villa way. and West Brom why, out of my why, TV. Why do you hate Villa? They're boring. They're going to be. They have just one fine. Premier League player, they, and his name two. is Pepe Reina. No, Joe, I'm just kidding. Joe McGinn. <laughs> No, John McGinn. John McGinn. John McGinn's so good you John, forgot his first name. John McGinn in in the Greece. John McGinn the was Greece good guy. for like the seven King weeks. King of Greece. Yes. John McGinn was as he was good for the amount of time that Tamu Puki was good. It's fair. It's fair. And that's it. And Tamu Puki's not a Premier League player anymore. He was. So they got Jack Grealish for his, now. He had his fifteen minutes of fame. Yes, they did. They've got Grealish. They've got some decent players, but. I don't enjoy watching Villa. I, I honestly would have loved to have Bournemouth stay up and Aston Villa go down. But it's fine. We don't always get our way, right? We we got Watford, and I can't ask for anything. Yeah, things that. don't work out the way they're supposed to because Brighton's still in the league. <laughs> we'll talk more about Brighton towards moves. the end of our show. They are making moves. That's what we're going to discuss. No, I'm, I, can't, I can't criticize the Graham Potter. Graham Potter's uh, Brighton. Brighton is better. I, I can criticize the... 2018-2019 end-of-season <laughs> Chris, Chris Hewton-Brighton. I mean, so. I prefer Graham Potter's Brighton to Aston Villa. 100%. Anyway, it's Heresy, fine. you jerk. Bournemouth is going down, and with them, as of the time of this recording, is Philip Billing. Now, Philip Billing is worthy of mention on a season recap like ours because this is the second season in a row He's gotten relegated. that Philip Billing is ending the year on a relegated club. Can't wait to see where he ends up. Hopefully West Brom. Why you not? Send he him would, right back he down. He perfectly fit in West Brom. Yeah, Philip Billing is cursed. He is Seamus cursed. Wow. For anyone who listens to this show and knows Holy. about our Seamus curse segment. Wow, that's heavy, dude. I wish I had thought of that earlier so that you could have a Seamus curse prepared, Brian. Yeah, a Seamus curse for Philip Billing. I'll do it next time. Okay, perfect. Where's Gerard De La Feu going to go? Interesting question. I hope he doesn't stay at Watford. I hope he has the sense to get out of there. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, I know there are, obviously, one of the things that always happens with relegated clubs is sometimes you see the best players move on to clubs that are still staying in the league, which always sits funny with me. I mean, obviously, it's it's good, and, and it, it's not a bad thing that that happens, but it's always funny. Like I always wonder, when clubs are about to get relegated, what kind of loyalty or concern for the club do players actually have? Like when Scott, business Bournemouth is business sometimes. Oh, for sure. Like, but, like when Bournemouth got relegated, obviously he couldn't do anything to help them out at the end of the season because of injury. But was Nathan Ake all that upset that Bournemouth got relegated? No. He knew he wasn't staying on Bournemouth in the championship next year. Probably not. I wonder if. Is there, is there any incentive for guys like Callum Wilson and Josh King going into next season, for example, to go to the championship and go try to score forty goals each? Like, I just wonder if it's like, well, we can go, we can get, we can spend a year uh, doing a lot. Purgatory. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, it's just there's no guarantee of that. I just, right, so I'm a, just curious to know which of these, what players that are on these teams are going to end up. Here's a question back, that back is our in our FPL thinking. Here's a question that's not on our agenda. But just came to my mind. This is the kind of stuff that we would talk about more often if we had like an hour long show every sure. weekday. Right. And if anyone's looking to fill radio <laughs> time on their on their channels or stations or outlets, whatever it might be, sure, you know, feel free to hire us. We, we we'd love to make a career out of this. 
That is an absolute shameless plug, by the way. Hey. But hey, here's the question. Why not? Which one is most likely to find their way onto a Premier League club, Callum Wilson or Josh King? I feel like it's Josh King. I think Callum's made of the same stuff that Daniel Sturridge is made of. I think, I mean, I think that the two of them together made Bournemouth go, but I think Josh King, for where he plays, I think he could fit with a lot more teams. Don't you think Callum Wilson is uh, the kind of player, though, that certain teams that could use a, I don't know, a 30, he's not a 30-minute striker. It seems like he needs to play himself into a game. Yeah, that's kind of the problem, right? Yeah. You're not going to give him that amount of time, but he needs it to be able to provide you with what he's going to be able to provide you. So no one in the top, I don't know, 10 teams minimum. Oh, no. No. Relegated. What about Everton? Maybe promoted clubs. Everton doesn't need him. I I guess that's true. It'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll talk more towards the end of this episode about some of the signings we already know about heading into the new season because as we record, there have been a few, and uh, we want to give you the FPL analysis that we can provide. There's one thing that's been bothering me, though. Uh, Since Project Restart restarted, or started, I should Mm -hmm. say, and I haven't had a chance to talk about it in any of our episodes so far, it's some of these stupid signs or seat covers that have been visible in stadiums across the league, once again, since Project Restart began. There are two in particular that stood out to me. I I don't... They bothered me. They bothered me. And since the new season looks like it's probably going to start fanless as well, potentially, um, we might even see these a little bit more in a few weeks. And so I want to talk about this, okay? I think it was Spurs that has one that says... Can't smile without you. Now, I Mm. get it. There's history with that slogan. But they made a big seat cover with that thing sprawled all across it. It just gave me a weird feeling. It's like, well, you're without me. You're without fans. Why are you saying you can't smile without you? If I'm not mistaken, at City, their thing said... We aren't here. We're okay, so that's the other one that bothers me. Okay. And it bothers me. Did I say that right? No. We're not really here. Yes. Okay, I was close. You were close. And this has history too. So city fans Exactly. City fans don't at me, but I should not have to Google why you have a weird (laughs) seat cover (laughs) slogan. We're not here. We're not really here. Well when I looked at that for the first time, I was like, obviously. Uh duh. Yeah, exactly. Duh. Yeah, but then I Googled it, and I realized there's history with the slogan, whatever. That's fine, but I don't think that really works for a seat cover. You know, we're not really here. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty obvious. Pretty lame. Yeah, didn't didn't make me very happy. I mean, I think it was Arsenal that had, like, Latin on one of them. That was a little weird. Wow, Dave, sure. that's really great. Hey, at least, it's, uh, at least you didn't know what it was saying. <laughs> at least it wasn't – we don't know that Lisa it was wasn't affiliated with, stupid. With Lisa wasn't affiliated with Barry Manilow. <laughs> sure, exactly. <laughs> not sure how that's applicable. I don't know. Can't smile without you. Okay. <laughs> Should have known. Yeah. Music Should have known music reference that I would not get <laughs> as I am owned again. Anyway, it bothered me, and it's going to continue to bother me. I can't stop thinking about we're not really here. Like, all right, whatever. Moving on. Let's talk about the bets. Let's let's recap the bets on the season. Now all that right. the season's over, let's talk I'm gonna bets. I'm going to take your word for it because I didn't write any of these down. Oh, I wrote them all down. Okay, good. As they were happy. I can't wait to hear how many I all won. All right, we've been discussing some of these throughout the season because some of these were already decided uh, prior to the conclusion of the season. So, for instance, you won the, jo- uh, the John Lundstrom bet. We'll talk more about John okay. Lundstrom all later right. on in the episode. Sure. You won that one. 
Kudos to you. You also won Watford getting relegated this season, so that was okay, two good. bets in your favor. Good. You also won which club would finish higher in the table, Brighton or, or Newcastle. Newcastle? Yes. You said Newcastle, so that's three that bets That ended up being closer than I would have expected. Uh, Brighton finished strong, and Newcastle went to the beach a little earlier than they should have, but that's fine. Clubs do that. Uh, I also predicted uh, a lower Wolves finish than you did. And so, therefore, you won what, that bet. What was my prediction? 11th or higher. It was obviously. Oh, wow. It was always going to be okay. yours. Uh, Wolves started out super sluggish, but they righted and you the ship. Pre- and you properly predicted that due to their Europa qualification. And I've amended my thoughts on this. I've grown. Can I just okay. admit this? Can I publicly admit this? Sure. Listen, it's okay. The first uh, thing about uh, coming clean with your issues in your life is admitting them. And you have to start somewhere. Okay. I champion that. So I think, I think you know, when the season began, I was pretty strongly in the camp of if you're, you know, seventh place in the league or whatever. When you have to play the earliest preliminary rounds of the Europa League qualification, sure, to start your season, you're playing July in in normal years. You're playing July Europa League matches um, prior to the mid-August start of the season. That's going to have an impact on your ability in the league. And that was true for Wolves in the beginning of the year. They definitely had a very sluggish start. But they fixed it, in part because there is quality in that squad. Mm -hmm. And in part because I think some of that just went away. That early season, all that travel, all those early Europa League matches. Just kind of went away? Well, the effect of that kind of goes away, especially when there's a four-month break unexpectedly in the middle of the season. True. And so I think that my amended beliefs on the Europa League is that your start of your league season is going to be heavily affected by how heavily you have to participate in the Europa League. It just might not convey itself all the way through it that season. Exactly. It might be a stayed moment in time where that's affected. I think it's fair to say that if Wolves didn't have to deal with all the Europa League qualifying matches at the start of the season, they would have finished higher in the league because they would have been able to get off to a better start. So the interesting about that is I don't think the Wolves have to worry about Europa this year, do they? No, because your Arsenal won the FA Cup final. Oh, wow. Imagine that. So Wolves mm. finished seventh. Suck it, Wolves. You can you, you can prepare yourself for just regular league play. And you know what? What? I think Wolves finish higher than Arsenal on the table next season. Uh, I will bet that right now. <laughs> you think Arsenal finishes better? Higher than Wolves? Absolutely. All right. Well, Something let, that... me, let, me, let me just think that through. That's fine. You can marinate on that. Right, I'd love let... to start off with a winning bet. Oh, come on. You feel that confident? <laughs> Absolutely. What makes you so confident in Arsenal? I'll give you odds. I'll give you, I'll give you odds on it. You, it'll be the equivalent of you winning two bets if you win that bet. Why do you feel so good about this? This, this is the this is the afterglow of silver. I believe in Arteta. <laughs> I believe in Arteta. Aubameyang's going to sign. Can you? I believe in the young talent. Can you remember when? What was the? What was the last? The the oily man that was their manager last. Unai Emery. Unai Emery. Emery. The oily when, man. Count when, Dracula. Do you remember <laughs> if Dave had the same? There was a point where he had the same confidence in Unai Emery. I think he did pretty early, early on, early, early, yeah. But it quickly it wasn't this away. strong. It, it feels different. I, no, th- no, I agree. He, I yeah, feel he, like he's got. He's got. I I yeah. thought there was. I thought probably more hope that, that something was brewing. I truly believe it because I've seen changes in players that I wanted to get rid of. Mikel Arteta is much more relational. 
the fact that the fact of this. Well, number one, I think he took a lot of good things from Pep, and I and I think he's put his own his own twist on things. But he's his own man. What what he's done yeah. with Mesodozel, what he's done with Guendozi, what he's done with Jaka. Like if you look at those individual events, it still bothers me about Jaka. By the way, I'm just telling you. Somehow he has turned him into a leader, back into like a leader in the clubhouse and a contributing member of the team. So like that transformation should tell you almost all you need to know right there. Completely reeled him in. Remember how he was a yellow card fa- factory, Scott? He was a loose cannon. You know this. Yeah, it was You're a joke. It was a joke before he even started. Un- completely agree. For the completely club. agree and understood. I'm just saying that's changed. It, it and so when when you look at that, how he's handled the Ozil thing, how he's handled Guendozi, If you just look at those individual things, um, not to mention the development of young talent, uh, you can only be excited as an Arsenal fan. And yeah, I think they're going to do well next year. Two things. Is that the Arsenal moment? I One. feel like it should be. Uh, two. No, we can get to No, because he hasn't even talked about the FA Cup final. <laughs> we got to give him the chance to talk about the FA Cup final. Two, I just wanted to say about Wolves. One of the things that I don't know what other team could overcome the loss of someone as key to their uh, defense as Willie Bowley was. And Willie Bowley was missing for, he was missing from weeks 10 until weeks until week 25. So they lost just a four, little bit, just a few weeks of <laughs> not having the best defender on their yeah. team, and uh, for them to come back basically as a transformed defense as soon as they came, as soon as he came back. Yeah. So just to to say that they to to hang around as much as they did uh, without someone as important as Willie Bowley, um, hopefully he can stay healthy for them because that's a it's a different team when he's in there. All right, Dave, so you won four bets. There are four other bets that we set. Okay. That means let's, you got to run the table, let's, right? Let's see how we did on these. I know you got one. And I'm going to save that one for last okay. because that is my crowning achievement of the season. It's one of the best things you've ever done. <laughs> I still can't believe it. It's, it's worthy of two I bets. I still can't believe it. Uh, oh, I, I never doubted, but we'll talk about that in a second. So I – Bet you that Callum Wilson would have more points on the season than Ashley Barnes. Remember that one? Weeks one and two, that seemed like a great bet for you, Dave. Callum Wilson finished 17th among forwards. Okay. I don't think Ashley Barnes finished ahead of that. I think I lost that. I'm down to 30th, and I still don't see Ashley Barnes. Hold on. 37th. What you could not have counted on was that of all the things that Ashley Barnes would lose in his season, it would be his his groin. His groin. His groin. Yeah. He's hanging out with Andy Carroll. Might have been. (laughs) The old old, uh, contagious groin. Mm. The contagious groin. Uh, We made a bet on how many goals. Oh, of course it is. We made a bet uh, early on in January about how many goals Odian and Gallo would score. This was an easy one. Was I confident? Was I bullish on this? You said it'd be three or more. Oh, wow. I lost that. Yeah. Yeah. How many scored in the league? Zero. Zero. Holy. So that was. He scored like one in the FA Cup, maybe, I think. He barely had more minutes than he had goals. (laughs) wow Brian that's pretty great that's a good point in Um, in my face I made a bet on how many clean sheets Pepe Reina would have okay this is huge I have to win this bet because I know you won the last one as goalkeeper of Aston Villa I thought he would have oh I got this 
I won this. You well, were bullish on Raina. Technically, I made it with Diane, but it's okay. You you were you were in on this too. Oh, okay. Uh, but I bet over three and a half. So I thought he'd get four from a certain point in the season on. Or yeah, like he I mean, he signed in, he signed in January. Uh, he had two. They oh, came in the wow. final four game weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, I was pretty proud of the two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's he's half the reason Villa stayed up. Clearly, uh, the half, other half being Jack Grealish. A half point. For uh, yeah, you. no, I lost that bet. I it, it, I said four, and he had two. Uh, the last bet though was my crowning achievement. Early in the season, I said Tamu Puki will not score a dozen goals. It will not happen, and it looked really dire for me, for pretty much the entire season. I'm looking at Puki's stats right now. He scored. Six goals in the first five matches of the season. Okay. Which is crazy, including a hat trick at Newcastle in game week two, which I think is after I made the – that was when I made the bet. I was like, he's not getting to a dozen. And he kept pouring them on. And then he went through a little bit of a scoring drought, but then he had three and four matches, game weeks 14 through 17, and I was feeling super nervous now. How many did he have at the end of week 17? Uh, at the end of, after that, week 17, he had nine. Okay. And then he scored in back-to-back matches in game weeks 23 and 24. So he went from 9 to 11. He had 11, and all he needed to do was score 12, and he had 14 matches to do it. Well, 13 matches to do it in week 24. No, no, 14 more. Oh, yeah. 25 to 38. I can count. And he didn't do it. And it's not like he didn't play. I mean, he did Uh, play a little less towards the end of the year. He kept getting rested or, or at least rotated. Uh, I mean, he is an old for man. A, a lot off and on at the end of the season. This is the stupidest bet that I've ever lost. I agree. It, there can, it can't possibly be the, a worse bet to lose. The chances of losing this bet are so astronomical. It's that, it's the, this is not an ESPN. This is not, an, not it, like major injury pending. Right. This is not an ESPN uh, uh, percentage, win, win percentage tracker podcast. But when you watch but, some of those games where you see like 99% chance of victory for a team that ends up losing like a shocker at the very end. Yeah. And you see it plunge to zero all of a sudden like off a cliff. Yeah, kind of like the Falcons when they lost to the Patriots. Yeah, that's, in the a, great, Super Bowl that's a great that's a great example. Like a 99% I, I, chance of winning. I try not to block that memory out of my mind Jeez. forever, but uh, I don't I mean that's just one of many part, around that that I do. Part of my life. What I'm saying is it didn't seem possible that he wouldn't get one more. It's unbelievable. I never asked you to change that bet, though, Dave. I never wavered well, on the fact that Pookie would no, not get to a dozen no, goals. You were <laughs> your pants. That you, were, but you just won. Like you were scared crapless, and you expected to lose that bet for fourteen weeks, and it just never happened. I mean, there was a moment in game week thirty-eight plus where Pookie had a breakaway. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And he looked nothing like he did in game week two. Man, alive. And you know what happened? He kicked it into Ederson's hand. Kudos to you, Scott. You Thank won you. the bet. You won more bets than me this year. I, I lucked out. I'll take it. I think it. this is the first year that that's happened. I don't think so. I'm but certain that that's true. I'm pretty sure it's not. But it I'm going to take it regardless. Is. Okay. You won more bets than me. Congratulations. You won everything this year. You beat me in, in FPL. Hey, I had a, can, can we mention my week 80, 38 plus? I had an 87. That's, that's a great score. week. That I mean that's that's arguably one of the tops in the uh, in the in the league. So hey, I, I was happy with that. 
Speaking of, so you and I, I mean, we, we make bets regularly. Sure. We go back and forth. Them. It's part of the fun of the podcast. One of the ongoing debates, not necessarily a bet, but definitely a debate that's been going on now for multiple seasons is Sala versus Mane, mm, right? Yes. Sala versus Mane. It seems like every week we could revisit that if we really wanted to. We try to avoid it most weeks. Sometimes it's unavoidable. But the numbers are in. The season is over. Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, their total scores are in. And for this season, Mo Salah won, mm-hmm. finishing 12 points ahead of Sadio Mane. Okay. I don't think anyone would have ever questioned that he wouldn't finish slightly higher than points. It was just his price was yeah. 12.5, and it never moved the whole year. It yeah, stayed there. He finished at 12.5. Okay. Yeah. Mane started at 11.5, if I'm not mistaken, Brian. And then was able to work his yeah, the, way up. The obvious, I think on the total points, the, the obvious case would be that it would have been pretty good to own both of them all season long. Strictly based on numbers, like per 90 minutes and stuff like that. I, I mean, I get that Salah had more FPL points, but he played, a, he played over a game total of more minutes. Than Mane? Than Mane did. Well, so, so if you, I mean, and it, again, it's 18, 18 goals and 10 assists to 19 goals and 10 assists. I mean, statistically, they were almost even. Over the course of the season, per 90 minutes, they had the exact same goal threat. They had, it was .59 was their, was their goals per 90 minutes for the, for the season. Volume, Salah basically doubled. This is kind of to your point, Dave. Comparatively, Salah took double the number of shots almost. That's interesting. To Mane, okay, and I finished with almost the exact put it almost the exact same uh, output. Well, he's a rhino. He he just he blasts away and whatever, it's whatever a, the luck of the gods. You know, if it hits the back of the net, great. If it hits the stands, great. He played a hundred and he's a loose cannon. He played a. a <laughs> Mane was twenty two thousand seven hundred and forty five minutes. Yep. Salah played twenty eight seventy nine. So a hundred and fifty minutes. So a you know a ninety and sixty more than Mane. Look, I you mock. Was, I mock. Salah is fantastic. No, they're, He's they're, an excellent player, world class. But my thing was they scored two hundred and fifty four or four hundred and fifty four points. The two, the two of them. My point is unbelievable for both. Hasn't of them. always been. Mane started off a whole pound dollar less, right? And they ended up very similar with the same stats. Therefore, your money went further. You could spend money elsewhere, True. getting the same production, but pretty much between them. Yeah, no, no doubt. And that's I true. think that's that's what one of my claims always was. Do you know what's weird about that? And it's not Salah's fault that he was a whole. I mean, FPL. Yeah, that's the price. The that's the way they priced it, right? People There's no way that happens. Put no. Salah a whole pound dollar be, more than Mane. There'll be a half they'll, dollar different. You think they'll be different? Yeah, I think, I think they'll be. The be same? Yeah, I think Salah will still be more, but I think Mane it'll be is closer. the more precise scorer, though. I would put him the same. But you know what's weird about them? So. Salah had nine weeks where he scored double digits in FPL points. Mane had eight weeks of double-digit points. All but one of Salah's biggest matches, Mane was either injured or subbed early. Mm-hmm. And every one of Mane's double-digit matches, only one of those was Salah missing. So, so what am I to take from that? 
I don't know. Just that. Well, it's obvious. Just that the Sala makes Mane better. Mane makes Sala worse. <laughs> kind right? of. Kind of. They they both Technically, like. That's the thing. They both like to look at their numbers over the course of the season. The only time where there was a distinct difference was like what you said, Dave. Early on, like through the first like. I don't know, what, 20 weeks or something like that. The very beginning of the season, Mane was still not fully match fit. So he missed that the beginning of the season. Mane really quickly showed that his value was better. He was outscoring Salah consistently a lot of weeks. for, for And then even with, I mean, the price difference was significant for a while. But especially now towards the, I mean, towards the end of the season, I think so many people, like not to drag League Drew back into this, but ask League Drew about take, you know, adding Salah in week 38 on a hit and how much like the benching, you know, the Liverpool apocalypse in week 38, how much <laughs> that costs so many people. I mean, in points. we warned and, listeners, and avoid who, Liverpool. And, and who scores in week 38? Mane does. Mane does. Mane outscored the last three weeks. I mean, Mane was the only Liverpool midfielder that was really worth anything. And didn't Wijnaldum, maybe Wijnaldum had a good game in there? He, I think at he some did, point. yeah. Either yeah. way, like, over the course of the season, I mean, just that those point totals, the fact that only KDB is going to top the two of them, you know, depending on I, – I can't imagine that, the, you know, both of them are playing – they still ended up playing as midfielders. I can't imagine that they move Salah to a forward – if they did I, that, that, I would hope so. That might shake things up a little bit. I think you'd at least have a little bit more of a. You might pause a little bit on that um, if they move solid forward. But as it stands, I mean, look, thirty-seven goals and twenty assists between the two of them. It's absurd. It is almost as absurd as an idea I floated out there two weeks ago in our last episode, where I said I might start a change.org petition to rename the Golden Glove Award for the Premier League. To the Sticky Mitt. To the Sticky Mitt. This season's Sticky Mitt did go to Ederson. It was determined on the final game week of the season. I did have a tab open for change.org, and I did start to fill out a petition, but I felt I felt bad that it was so silly, so I did close it. So there will be no change.org petition. But Ederson, You just thought that there was more worldly things to look at on change.org well, I mean, as they, opposed to... Changing the name of the They make it obvious that they're trying to promote like serious world changing petitions. Fair enough. So I just so, immediately felt guilty. Mm. I didn't want to waste people's time. Screw your good conscience. <laughs> it it would have been to, funny. Try to be helpful right. to the world. I but just, you know I what? Like We're gonna keep calling it the sticky mitt. Ederson wins it. Uh, and and it'll just be us. And I, if, listeners, you you have people you can influence in your lives, try to pass this on. Sticky mitt. How much do you love at the end of the season Chris Wood and other Burnley players talking about how they're going to fight like hell to get Nick Pope the yeah. the golden glove to end the season and leave it to Brighton and then Brighton comes in and beats them smashes goals left and right <laughs> like there is no Nick Pope in the goal seriously yeah it's uh, a great Does way Nick to... Pope deserve better should he be on a different team mm. No Okay. I, I mean, he could be. If he was on Chelsea's team, would that be good? It'd be good for Chelsea. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be great be good for, for Chelsea. Dean Henderson was on that team. Would that be good? Um, Dean Henderson's going to be on a better team in the next season. Is he going to be playing for United or sitting behind De Gea? 
I I would hope you bring Dean Henderson into play. He's clearly capable of playing in the Was Premier he better, League. David, uh, better than David De Gea? I think there's two things that you have to consider when you answer that question. I think, number one, you, you consider the on-pitch performance. Number two, you consider the financial hit that that goalkeeper provides your club. I have to believe that Dean Henderson's wages are lower than David De Gea's. I'm sure they are. I don't know that offhand, but I'm sure that that's the case. And if that's true, I think you're going to get a number one Premier League goalkeeper, the guy who essentially was the goalkeeper for their entire season, and where they finish eighth, ninth, Sheffield, yeah, ninth okay. maybe, yeah, something. Like I that. mean, but they were they were fighting for Europa all season. Yeah, sure. You put him on United, he's going to have that same quality at a lower wage. I think Dean Henderson's your guy. That's okay. a no brainer to me. The only question is, are there any buyers for David De Gea? If there is a single solitary buyer, sell him, sell him, cash in. You know, it's weird. I think, especially towards the end of the season, it seemed like. De Gea was oddly, well, maybe not oddly error-prone, but he seemed like he made some significant mistakes. But he wasn't the worst goalkeeper for the season to do that. You'd probably guess, you'd get, you could guess one of the two worst, I think. But uh, it was not him. Right. It, was, it was Martin Dubrovka, and that's really odd to me, that he, was the, he made the most errors that led to goals for, uh, oh. for, for, in the Premier League for goalkeepers oh, this your, season. Your boy, Martin I mean, he, everyone always sings his praises and what, what a great, what, how good he is for Newcastle. But yeah, he's still, he, he, he does make some mistakes. Just the same as everybody else on Newcastle. Uh, Jordan Pickford was second worst. He Jordan had, uh, Pickford. That, there was a bit of a howler in that in last the final week. Match. I yeah. thought to myself, "Good lord, dude, what, yeah. what are you, who are you?" It, yeah, yeah. If I, well, if you're an Everton fan, are you confident in your goalkeeper mm, right now? No. How could you be? That's if what I'm, I'm saying. Everton, De Gea, De Gea, if I'm an Everton fan. At this point, I want them to get relegated. And and De Gea's and some of De Gea's worst De Gea's worst goalkeeping moments, the ones I think worst for the season, were were in non-league matches towards the end of the season. But he was he was there in a pack of a bunch of other goalkeepers for mistakes. So. Brian, I haven't answered your question about David De Gea a few minutes ago though. Yeah, I'm reading the sixth book of Harry Potter to my children at bedtime right now. Awesome. And I think you might actually know this. I I think I have this right. But do you remember there's a scene where Ron makes the Quidditch team because Hermione performs, I think it's the Confundus Curse? That sounds right. That sound right? That made the other guy that was in tryouts yes. like go the opposite yes. direction? Yes, it made I him like... I think look... David De Gea is Confundus Curse. Uh, okay, that, that does sound right. This is yeah. not a Harry Potter podcast. Okay, it's true. It's true. But I am enjoying reading those books at bedtime. All right. Brian, I'm going back to you because we have this... We have this segment that we do every single week, and it's silly, but it's still to this day one of our favorite things that we do on this podcast. We give out the Christian Benteke <laughs> Wasteful Player of the Week Award, giving out to the player who misses the, the biggest, most obvious chance, usually contributing to uh, the scoreline in some way. But it's the end of the season now, and so we like to turn it over to Brian to give us the ultimate Benteke Wasteful Player of the Week Award. Really, it's not even the week, it's the Wasteful Player of the Season Award. And yes, and as you remember, we does get, the name change on? This? It's worth reminding people. That's yes, true. That the, that several years ago, yes, it yes. was the Cameron, Cameron Jerome. Cameron Jerome could not kick the ball straight. Had the lowest conversion rate of any player in the Premier League, and it was enough to name the overall award for him specifically. Then, which it was a Cameron Jerome wasteful. It was the player Cameron Jerome the wasteful player of the week award, which then Christian Benteke came in and said, "Hold my beer." 
It's my award. It, this is mine. No, he didn't. Permanently. He, was, he shot like he was still holding his beer. He it was it has been well deserved for Christian Benteke, who still cannot buy a goal to this day. So, as we look back over he the one, I think. the rest of this season, as we look over this entire season, I would like to use this the uh, I would like to use the stat of big chances missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the defining I, stat. I right? would say I think that is nothing says that nothing says wasteful like a player who misses a lot of chances uh, that you would say reasonably you would expect most players to score a goal in that particular position. I think this might surprise you. Who is going to win the Christian Benteke Wasteful Player of the Season I know award? Where this is going. It and it because is not, it was... is it is not enough to rename the award, but this the the profile and the team of this player, I think you would say it's close, but we're not going to do it. So it stays the Benteke. Award. It will stay the Benteke okay. award. Well, hold All on, right. but why is it staying? It is it be, because it's not warranted? It's staying because overall, I think if you a if you there's a chance, especially towards the end of the season, you did own this player. If you owned him, you owned him in the last in, in Project Restart. Okay. And I would say overall, you were not disappointed in him at any point of owning him. I don't think. But he missed big chances. But he missed by he missed uh, the most big chances, and he's alone at the top. Wow. Like alone by far. I'll give you this. There were four players this season who missed 20 or more big chances. Okay. I should also say, the top players, like on this list of the, of big chances missed, it's mostly good players. So outside like outside of the top four, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, Jamie Vardy, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Mo Salah, all missed 15 or more big chances. Okay. So it's because they not, took a lot of chances and they missed Right. Some. These yeah. are guys who are constantly in the position to score and so they are they are missing a they're missing a number of those. Like you would expect that they would do better. However, nobody's perfect. <laughs> the top 4 yeah, Dave, most solid's not perfect. Okay? The top 4, <sighs> we know that. The top 4 one of the guys, I don't know how he managed to do it because I don't feel like I feel like he missed too much time to be able to do this. Chris Wood missed twenty big chances. Wow, that's kind of bad. He was tied on the season with Roberto Firmino. Roberto Firmino, that makes sense to me because no one seemed to not be able to buy a bucket more than Roberto Firmino this season. True. I get Did it. Did that guy even score? At goal? home, that was the big thing with him, is that for whatever reason, the lid was on the goal at home. He could not he might score. He not be a good player. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's, okay, first of all, that's stupid. It's possible to be Look, a, Brian, I'm an average ignoring Dave. player I'm ignoring on a Dave. good team. Firmino is excellent, but this season he was excellent in the mostly unseen ways he had nine goals and missed 20 big chances i mean that is that is yeah that's a lot think of what that could have done and the number of times where you think if where he was seemed a viable option just think a couple, many, did you own him i feel like i owned no, him no, no one ever owned him i think him. i did own just, him at one point just no. think how many Fantasy, he no. would have scored 
Think about how many Pookie would have scored if he would have been on that team. Pookie was fifteenth, uh, actually. He he missed eleven big chances this season. Yeah, he missed Amazing. one in the final. And game that was on Norwich. Season. Just think of how good he'd been on <laughs> Liverpool. Come on, number two. He's too slow to be on Liverpool. This is another one that's. I mean, I don't know what to say about it. Tammy Abraham missed twenty-two yeah. big chances. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, still finished with, I would say, you'd still say overall. Abraham early in the season was a must-own. Everyone yeah, had right. to have him, right? And then yeah. couldn't get he back in. kind of fell off. Right. Finishes with 15 goals. That's a really good season for a guy who barely played. Is he like 20, 21 maybe? I mean, he's young, right? Yeah. But I wonder how valuable he'll be next season, especially with Chelsea's new signing. We'll talk about that in a little bit Okay. Later. Number one. All right. 24 big chances missed. I feel like I know where this is going. I don't, I don't know. Would I you like, like to ven- be would you like to, to my heart. Would you like to venture a guess? Is it a Bombayang? I think it's a – my gut says it's a Bombayang. Is that your final answer? That is my guess. Dave? Yeah, because I feel like there's games I'm watching and I'm like, why didn't he score that? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang finished the season with 22 goals and missed 10 Big chances. Wow. That's not bad. Yang's conversion rate was outstanding all season long. Okay, so I'm way off. And you are way off. The correct answer. Hold on. Hold on. I need to think about this. Give me me Scott backfill for 10 seconds. (laughs) I'm trying to think. It's got to be maybe City? Maybe? I hope you're playing. I hope you're playing like... Some kind of dramatic music Aguero behind this. Aguero play enough to miss that many big chances. To keep people interested. I tell you who missed a lot of chances was Gabriel Jesus. Ma- I'm not willing to go that no, route yet. I don't think yet. it was Jesus. Um, but Jesus did miss a lot. Was it Raul Jimenez? No. Jamie he, Vardy. Raul Jimenez. Jimenez is not even in the top 20. Yeah. All right. Jimenez, tell me. Was a, Jimenez was very precise. Son. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. The most, it's be Harry Kane. the most big chances missed for the 2019-2020 Premier League season. Oh, hold and, on. Are we going to declare them? And the winner of this season's Christian Benteke Wasteful Player of the Season Award, not bad enough to take over the award name, is none other than Manchester City's own Gabriel Jesus. Ah! <laughs> I should have stuck with it. I thought you were going to say, you know what? Screw it. I'm still Jesus. I thought for sure you were going to, I thought for sure you would do it. No, Gabrielle. That's totally Dave's bro accent, by the way. Gabrielle Jesus missed 24 big chances. And that was a talking point, especially during the restart when he was getting more minutes with no Aguero to worry about. Right. He did not make the most of some of the best chances that anyone had seen. How uh, long is Aguero out? Will he be out for the start of the new season? Good That's question. a great question. Um, I think the idea with with um, Sergio Aguero was I didn't I don't care. I don't think it was that major. I care if Jesus is going to be starting the new season. I, I thought feel like he, I thought he, he might he have had, something to I prove. I thought he had surgery. So, right. the, so I'm looking but at I think he, right now. I, I thought, you know what it says? I thought he was training again. Unknown return date. That means nothing because the season's so, over. Right. I thought he was doing light training. I'll I, say this. How many more seasons does Aguero have? Few. Does you, know he? I th- you know what I think happens? Does I think he? it I think it flips. I think Jesus becomes the number one and Aguero becomes the number two over time. That's my point. I wanted you you perfectly said exactly what I wanted you to say. Thank you. Is he good enough? Pep Guardiola has said that... Is Jesus good enough? Because he is no Kun Aguero. No, he's not. 
but not many are in fairness to him. But he's not. And all I'm saying is Pep's all about replacing players. You know, David Silva leaves, here comes Phil Foden. You know, when DeBrown leaves, I love Phil Foden. someone else will come in. Um, Phil Foden might be in my team in 2021. Understood. And and maybe he sh- he probably should be. So, you know, Raheem Sterling, you know, Leroy Sané leaves and and they just fill him with Mares or Bernardo Silva or someone else. They never had a good replacement for Cunaguero. They've tried with Jesus. He's not that. He's got a little too much Benteke in him. Yeah, he does. And the stats prove it. It's true. Now, I think we've seen him enough to have but a But Jesus decent. is typically four pounds lower than Aguero. At that price, you take a chance on Gabriel Jesus. So the question yeah, for I'm me just... is going to be what their starting prices are in the new season. Understood. Jesus, I'm look, let's see. Let me pull this back up. I had this up. And I deleted it. What I was going to say is that all we know for sure is that Sergio Aguero will not be fit to face uh, Madrid in the Champions League. League. It says absolutely nothing about whether or not he'll be ready for the start of the season. I would just play Sterling through the middle. Well, we talked about that, right? We talked I about would. Raheem Sterling. I'd, pl- I'd put, play Sterling through the middle. I got and that. I'd have uh, Mares and Bernardo Silva on the wings. I got that. Season recap email from the Premier League just a couple of days ago. Their one computer finally filtered through to me and gave Very me good. Season wow, recap nice. email. Congratulations yeah. to you. Um, and the, the the email told me that my most captained player this last season was Raheem Sterling, okay. which was all in the first half of the season. That's so funny because I I had the exact same thing and I didn't own him for the entire <laughs> season. So that's well, the, I, when I saw that I was like, that's impossible. They I gave did. you my emails. What happened? It they, very they well got, could they have got been. us confused. Like, oh, same podcast, whatever. Same email. Um. Jesus ended the season at 9.9. He's not a 9.9 forward. Is that what we're saying? Like, if he's at, like, 9, maybe, but I have a feeling they're going to put him at 9.5 or 10 to start the new season. No, thank you. I'm just not owning him. All right. Fair enough. You want I mean, to go back to You know where he is? He's in Firmino land. Oh, I'm not owning well, him. Price-wise, you're absolutely right. If there's any threat of him sharing time with anyone, which he did not, pretty much at the end of the no, season. No, he didn't share time. Because there was no Aguero to share time with. But assuming Aguero is back soon at the start of the season, yeah, you're not doing anything with uh, with Jesus. Not unless you see him starting significant minutes regularly. All right. I'm going to say something. I want Wait, everyone... Are you guys satisfied with not... You guys were completely fine with this. Gabriel Jesus missing 24 big chances on the best yeah. offense in the Premier League, statistically speaking. I would lobby to change the name to the Gabriel Jesus. No, player of the week he was no Christian Benteke, sir. No, absolute. I mean, he no. just missed the most big he chances. Still... He missed more big chances in his season than Christian Benteke missed when we named the award after him. The, the no. man still scored 14 goals and had eight assists. Benteke did not do that when he earned the He was the wasteful. Name. He was wasteful, but he also scored enough and assisted enough. What's the name of the award, Scott? It's the Christian Benteke. Wasteful. Wasteful Player Player of the Week Award. Award. It's not getting changed. Veto. Brian, what's your vote? You have the tie-breaking vote. He missed a chance. Benteke or Jesus? 24 out of 38 reduces to... What? I'm trying to reduce 24 38ths into a fraction. 12 19ths? Does it? I am not too drunk to know how to reduce into half the fraction that you gave. But I'm close. 12 19th, sir. Is that the lowest? Is that the best we can do to reduce? Probably. Yes, 19 is a prime here's, number. Here's my Prime point. numbers. 
Here's my point. Yeah. It feels like two-thirds of the season, Gabrielle Jesus was missing a big chance every week. If you're missing Sorry. 24 you don't big get chances. to you don't get to participate in 22 goals and get a wasteful award named after you. That stays in the name of Christian Benteke for one more season. Damn it, this at is least. my one chance to change the freaking rule. Yep. Sorry, not happening. But Dave, I'm <laughs> going to turn it right back over to you. Okay. I'm going to set the record straight like I started to say just a minute ago. All right. I got called out for being a poor winner on our Slack workspace this past week. Okay. Because I made a joke. Sure. You were talking about getting together for this big match this past yes. weekend. And I said, you were is, there, is there a big match is this past weekend? Is there a big match? I'm only aware of the FA Cup I'm final. I'm a jerk face. <laughs> I thought it was funny. But anyway, it's fine. I thought, I thought it was funny. I just didn't comment. I understand. No. You hurt my feelings. But here's <laughs> – shut up. I did not. Here's the thing, though. Here, I'm going to say this publicly. I'm okay. going to say this in front with the mic. Is my microphone on right Mike's now? Mic's on. Okay. I'm going to say this. I want you to hear this. A trophy – is a trophy, is a trophy. It's true. Agree with you. I think it was 2012. Liverpool won the League Cup. I think it was the Carling Cup then. Yeah. I embraced that because you know why? It, it was a trophy. It's something. It's a trophy. It's something more than other people won that year. Yeah, absolutely. I think they actually beat Cardiff to, Look, to win it, but whatever. You are judged by players and silverware. coaches and managers and teams by silverware. Now, my point was... And I said this a couple weeks ago, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer basically threw away the FA Cup sure. to make sure that he got fourth place in the league. Because Arsene Wenger's trophy. <laughs> fair. <laughs> the fourth place in the league is yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But he, he won he got fourth place in the league, but he threw it away. He threw the FA Cup away to get fourth place. And we say that based off of his choice in lineups for the sure. FA Cup semifinal versus the Premier League. Uh, but he did that, I am convinced, in part because he knows just a few years ago the aforementioned Louis van Gaal won the FA Cup and then got fired. It happens. But, you know, there's there's circumstances behind all of these things. But let me say this to you right now. Okay. It's a big deal. Arsenal won the FA Cup. And... They value that trophy so much that the first thing they did when they got their hands on it was drop it. Just kidding. I mean, did I'm not kidding. <laughs> did you see what happened? It's on the stand. And Aubameyang goes to pick it up off the stand. Uh, like, so here's way, you know, they're waiting. There's no fans, uh, no uh, fans in the crowd waiting for the TV people to tell them, all right, go ahead and lift the trophy and carry it over to your team. Mm-hmm. He goes to lift it. And the base of it, like where they engrave on the base of the cup, mm-hmm. he lifts it and it separates from the bottom. Like the bottom like was sticking to the top of the podium. So like the actual <laughs> cup separates from the bottom where it's inscribed. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it just broke. Like what moron just put this thing together? <laughs> so then he tries to kind of like put it together. Then it falls off. Like he picks it up with two hands. Like, 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 sort of like if you're carrying a grocery bag and you know the bottom's about to drop out. So you kind of put the one hand on the bottom and you have the other one like on top. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's heavy. That's, that's really good. So great. he's lifting yeah. it over there. He gets in front of the team and then goes for the lift <laughs> and the whole thing just falls apart. Like, you can't make this up. I'm like, <laughs> of course this is happening. This is unreal. The person who is in charge of the cup, that person had to feel 
and find a hole to crawl in oh, yeah. that they could never be found in. No. Because that had to be like I cannot imagine what that feeling was like. Two things. Number yes. one, my snide comment about dropping the cup aside. Sure. A trophy's a trophy is a trophy. Even Arsenal a bro- even a broken trophy. Arsenal won by all accounts what was an excellent FA Cup final. Worthy of a trophy. Number two, though, does the dropping of the trophy diminish this at all for you? It makes it very <laughs> jovial. Um, it's just like... <laughs> Give us your Arsenal moment, Dave. Man, so look, as I'm, as I'm watching this match, this season started off with hope. Unai Emery found a way to completely crash it. Team was spiraling out of control with a Meza Ozil issue who was still in the teams, kind of playing but not playing, there but not there. A, a Xhaka captain who is walking off the field, giving two fingers to the crowd, saying F off. Um, it, this team was going nowhere and completely spiraling and crashing. The manager, or, uh, club owners made a tough decision. Sort of tough, but it's always <laughs> tough to do in the, middle of the, in the middle of the year. But they saw the writing on the wall. Kudos to them. They uh, risked it all, and they went after Mikel Arteta who has zero manager experience, who was a player five years ago. And they they went after him, and they got him. He was Pep Guardiola, Manchester City's number one assistant. He comes over, and in a matter of months, he is able to turn a team around so much so that uh, in the end of the season, they end up winning this FA Cup. In the last three out of four games, they beat Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. And, yeah, Chelsea had some injuries. Chelsea had issues. And in this FA Cup final, if anyone watched it, Arsenal got the benefit of some calls. They did. Uh, Anthony Taylor was not even supposed to be on that match. I don't know why, but they FA pulled some strings and got him on the match. Maybe he's got some Chelsea beef. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, look, I'll be the first to say, and I told my my uh, league, Joey, who uh, a good buddy of mine, who he's a major Chelsea fan. We were watching the match together. Uh, I felt bad for him in multiple moments. Number one, when Kovacic got his second ye- uh, uh, yellow card, that was horrible. He horrible had a yellow call. card for having his foot stomped on, right? Horrible call. That was the first yellow, <laughs> and then the second one okay. was, Hor- was yeah. just as bad. I-, I thought the first yellow was warranted, but the second yellow was absolutely not, just in my opinion. Uh, Pulisic, I know you don't like how I say that, but I say it. Stupid. I'm going to say it like that anyways. I hate that he got injured. Um, the heart of yeah, that kid. Captain America. The heart of that kid. He is Captain America. Hey, listen. The, the fact that he was able to try to finish that shot with a blown hammy. He's was, a stud. He's ridiculous. He's so good. So proud of that. I hate that he's on a freaking devil of a team, but you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm, it makes me proud as an American to see him out there playing, giving his all, and uh, he's got a lot of fans. I mean, he. I think he really won over a lot of people with his effort and heart, and he's just a talented dude, man. So. You know, I, but I did. I, I felt for Chelsea at multiple moments. They kind of got the raw end of the deal. I feel like there's been times that Arsenal's got the raw end of the deal, so I kind of, I kind of feel that. As an Arsenal fan, I couldn't have been more happy though. Um, not only did they win the cup and they win a trophy in a season, in a season that was going nowhere, a season that was completely horrible. They, they finished outside of a Europa, you know, league spot. I'm thinking is it going to be better that if we miss the FA Cup or not um, you know maybe we can just focus on the league and then we don't have European football but you know what they end up winning the cup they finish on a high note 
players are able to celebrate something. If anything, they're able to celebrate what they've accomplished since Arteta arrived. And I think, you know, winning breeds winning. I think once one of the first things that Klopp said when he got to Liverpool is they wanted to win something. Win something and then just build from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get that flavor of winning something. And so, yeah, it was in a, in a, in a COVID-laced season that was broken and uh, in a, you know, winning at Wembley doesn't have the same feel when you're not walking up into the stands getting handed medals and trophies by the no, know, said they, president of the FA Cup. They give you faulty trophies, plastic trophies. They give you pieces of <laughs> is what they turned into. And so, you know, uh, so whatever. Like, everything is different now. And But bottom line is they want it. And, Scott, thank you for saying that. It is nice to have to win something. You know, oftentimes people say when your team crashes out of a cup, oh, well, it's just this, it's just that. But you know what? It is a trophy. It is silverware. Yeah. There's only what, Scott? Four pieces of silverware for the most part you can in England. possibly win in England, yeah. per year. Yeah. So if you get one of those four, that's something. That's right. And so that's better than, <laughs> better than nothing. And now, assuming there is a community shield... Right. Our two clubs get to play in it. Which will be great. Arsenal will be able to get stomped by Liverpool as Liverpool will have the taste in their mouth. Last time they played, Arsenal beat them. And uh, they're probably not going to like that. So they'll, they'll, they'll be ready. And it'll be uh, it'll be a good match. And Arsenal will probably get their butt kicked. But, hey, this past weekend it was fantastic. They won. I was happy. Extremely happy. Full credit. And, Full credit uh, to Arsenal for winning the <laughs> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's is world class. He's a stud. He's a stud. And, he is a and stud. best of all, they finished ahead of Spurs. <laughs> oh, wait. What? That's his. Is that him? That's in not. my notes. They did not get to celebrate St. My notes day. are wrong. I apologize. for They did not finish ahead of Spurs. In fact, they did not finish ahead of Spurs, <laughs> but I think it's been. Uh, has Spurs ever won an FA Cup? That's a great question. I'm, it's interesting. I, Arsenal has 14, but I, who's counting? 14. As not a true fan, I couldn't answer the question, and that, I think, is also what you call moving the goalposts. <laughs> yes. Dave has something to celebrate at the end of the season. I have something to celebrate at the end of the season. Brian can be thrilled with Sheffield finishing top half. Yeah. True. Although I will say, and, and listeners of this podcast will not be surprised to hear me say this, as players continue to get younger, as we continue to filter down into the newer generations with these younger players, managers like Mikel Arteta and Jurgen Klopp, relational guys, yeah. guys who relate to their players and can connect with them on a personal level, are going to be more and more important and more and more successful. Yeah. And managers like Chris Wilder are going to go by the way. They already are. They're going by the wayside. Yeah. Those those hard knocks, you know, my way is you know my way or the highway type of managers. Those those are going by the wayside. We see that in business already, and it's it's obvious that it's happening in football. And that I mean, Mikel Arteta clearly has it, and he has that it factor. Seems like it. He's, it seems like it. I mean, we don't see him in the locker room, obviously. Sure. Well, but you, you know what you do get to see is in the the uh, mid half break that. Coach managers are now using for timeouts. Yeah, the the water breaks. Yeah, he couldn't be more animated. Yeah, and the he knows he's got about thirty seconds to a minute. Yeah, in in giving instructions. That's out. right. But guys who can connect with their players, managers who can connect in that way, are going to be more and more successful moving forward. Chris Wilder is a dinosaur. It works because it's Sheffield. That's not going to last. Sorry, Brian. 
Well, yeah, I can't imagine it would. As a newly anointed Blades fan, I'm just letting you know. It's true. All right, speaking of the Blades. Hey, it's it's okay because it's still got Steve Bruce. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Bruce. Oh, man. Hey, listen, though. That guy adapted. He made it work. He made it, He made Newcastle into the 13th place club that it needs to it's be. It's a lot more than you called them most of the years, Scott. I don't know that they actually finished 13th. Even it was if, somewhere around Even there. if he's a giant puff pastry of a man, he still bought fast players. That's the key, right? He has players yeah. who are fast. He does have he does have some good players. You know, Scott, they're thirteenth. Did I is that right? Yes. Nice. Spot on. Nice. Good job, yeah. bud. All right. So I want to go back to the blades though, because there was no more fitting conclusion to the season than when John Lundstrom scored a goal in of game thirty eight plus. Of course. I still don't understand exactly how their season started. Yeah, well exactly. I'm never gonna understand Sheffield's one major piece of business in the January window being signing a guy that replaced John Lundstrom, by and large. Doesn't make much sense. He was it a little doesn't. dinged up. Eh. But Lord Lundstrom ended the season with a goal, and we could not have asked for anything less. So great. Kudos to those who stuck with him. <laughs> Hopefully nobody did in fantasy. All, all of the teams, all of the dead teams that owned, like, the most owned players of the sure. season sure. all had the greatest week in week 38. That's true. <laughs> Although I wish I had had the foresight to free hit John Lundstrom. I mean, I didn't free hit in game week 38 at triple captain because you guys convinced me to. But uh, if I had free hit in game week 38 plus, I wish I would have thought to just like just for sure. old time's sake, let me get Lord Lundstrom sure, into my lineup. Not? It would have been Adam great. Him. Captain him even. All right, let's look ahead to 2021. There's already two official signings as we sit here that have, I think, have some FPL implications. So we'll talk about those. And then there's two that seem to be almost complete. Let's go ahead and talk about those as okay, well. Okay, let's do it. Let's talk about the one, the first one that I think is the biggest of the two complete deals, and that's Timo Werner, Chelsea. Seems like a big deal. The question with him will be only how high will his price go and who would you have to forego to a, have him in your team? Here's the thing though. Is he like wicked dynamic? I mean, I don't think, I don't feel like uh, this is a Timu Pookie move here. Oh. <laughs> Dave Smith save, on record. Save as that not, clip. Not Timo Werner. Timo Pookie. If okay, I'm gonna say I, this right now. If he I just is, don't feel like this is if he's has under, no, hold on. Okay, meter you said, moving. You said Tamuki. You're done here, Brian. If he comes in the start of the season under ten pounds, let's say he's in the Firmino, Jesus range nine. nine I was gonna say if he comes in at nine, at a nine dollar guy, I think he'll be one of the most owned. I think he'll be a clear bandwagon owned player. To the start only question season. I have is, as it stands right now, you've got Werner, Giroud, and Abraham. And I was already nervous with Giroud and Abraham. Which guy do you pick? Now you've got a third guy in here. But Werner's got to be the guy, right? Well, it's definitely not Giroud. I think that, I think that long what is term. Uh, what has Olivier Giroud got to do to be a number one forward in the Premier League? I don't understand. <laughs> He's like the most unvaluable player. Like, valuable, but no one wants to name him that, right? I don't understand it. I, I don't get it either. All he does is go out and produce and produce and produce and produce. 
The thing that's going to change. I mean, same the, thing happened in Arsenal. Look, yeah, I know. I know. Prices on uh, the price on a guy like that is is key, and then which players change position. So if he's ten pounds, you're out of the burner game. I, look, I'm not touching him until. Yeah, I that's the thing. I just feel like this is fool's gold. But I mean, we look, watched him in the Bundesliga. He's a stud. Great. But, yeah, and so was so was Jermaine Jones. What's your point? <laughs> So I, was no Jermaine Jones is never equal to team. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what the look. You want to you want to know he was never equal to Timo Werner. Sure, that's ridiculous. What you want to know is what did what did he do to Tim get... Ream? Tim Ream was great in the Bundesliga. Never. <laughs> I don't think he was ever yeah. in the Bundesliga. Yeah. He played for Fulham. What you want to know is why is everyone so hyped about him? What did he do? What did he do in the Bundesliga that's so amazing? And it's that in the last three seasons, uh, he has scored. Uh, last this last season in the Bundesliga, he scored twenty eight goals. Dave, that's what, whoop do friggin' do? I mean, is he? That's Jadon, a lot of goals. Is he Jadon Sancho? No. Is he Pierre Emerick Aubameyang? No. Is he Lewandowski? No. Is he Muller? No. He's 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 another Timu. Okay, whoop de friggin' do. Right. I just You're on I record. don't think he's gonna do much. You're on record. The You're one on record. thing that you know about Chelsea is that they are not hurting going forward. No. So to true. add a quality player okay, who's higher quality than Tammy Abraham mm-hmm. and younger and fitter and faster than Olivier Giroux. Younger, playing, fitter and faster. Playing with the type of players that they have around him, and with Willian out of the picture, where they can likely out of the picture, where they can throw uh, a lot more quality going forward. I think that's what people are really excited about. All right, fair enough. The other guy who is officially signed with the new club is Adam Lalana at Brighton. Dave, do you think that will have any impact in FPL in the new season? The question, the bigger question is, will he play more than 20 games due to injury? <laughs> fair, fair question. Okay, so do you think I, he'll have any, I mean, if he, stays, I if he stays healthy, he could be an impact guy. He could be the number one scoring midfielder for Brighton. So, okay. Which, would make, make which would make him a fantasy consideration Leandro, if everything yes. goes well. Leandro Trossard was the number one scoring midfielder for Brighton this season. I flirted with the idea occasionally of owning Leandro Trossard. Wow, did you dance around that? Well, I never I think actually that's owned probably it. a fair way to describe it. Adam you, Alana, know, you know how much I like non-committal. I loved his answer. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> I, I knew you'd love that. I knew it. <laughs> I kind of maybe thought about but maybe kind of doing Lalana, yeah, I don't know. Just maybe. Just one word, Dave. Jeez. Dust. Um, yes, Lalana could yes. be the Leandro Trossard of the new season, right? I think no. I mean, you, the the best you can hope for for him would be: will he surpass what Pascal Gross did two seasons ago? I mean, he for Brighton. He could performed. He be, could several... he be that level of player for them? Yeah, that's uh, best case yeah, scenario. I agree. But at he the has same the time, pedigree for that. Lalana performed for Southampton several years ago. I question too. that pedigree. Let's. It. I don't know why we're even talking. There is zero chance that you know he is why? ever FPL relevant at all next year. All right, year. you're on record Dave, for that too. Dave, will you ever walk alone? Yes or no? No. Oh, 
I All walk right. alone. There are two more deals that seem FPL relevant that are almost done. So much so that we are going to talk about them right now. As we sit here, they're not official, but they're close. Manchester United signing Jaden Sancho. Dave. Instant impact. Instant impact. Absolutely. Who does he replace in the United lineup? Uh, across the top, uh, it is Greenwood, Rashford, and Sancho, and Martial uh, has less of a place. Wow. You're kicking the best actual player they have to the curb. Well, look, healthy competition is great. League Drew gave a perfect rundown on United's depth. And he they is don't our have resident much. United fan. So he spelled it out perfectly, and it made complete sense to me. Sure. I don't know if, Marshall, you bench him. Greenwood's you only out, 18. You figure out a way to get them all in there. Maybe maybe Greenwood's minutes are, are there, but not as much. Maybe he plays a Mares role in the situation. Uh, Sancho plays. Rashford plays. Sancho plays. Look, Greenwood's Martial's good. got to play. Martial probably plays too. Look, Maybe I, you figure out a way to get them all in there. Martial's going to be a forward. In no this one. Season, right? I was going to say yes, definitely. I think for sure, no one overperformed in this in the restart more than Mason Greenwood. I know. No one out. No one overplayed their stats more than Mason Greenwood. So it was awesome to have him. I I definitely did like a lot of Me other people too. who didn't. But this, I think things kind of overachieved. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that's the thing that things evened out by the end of the se- by the end of the the eight week. Of <laughs> As the restart. guy who had him for basically all season, and nothing it evened him. out. And nothing he didn't have him when he was relevant, Scott. <laughs> nothing. He didn't no. have him. I di- I had him most of the season when he was irrelevant. When he would come on and score uh, in six minutes of actual game time yeah, yeah. and everyone was like, why doesn't this guy get more minutes? He's amazing. And then he starts playing and he actually performs up to his level. And but you sold him by then. Anyways, I sold him on the restart just sure. like everyone else did because he, his price had dropped. I lost money on the guy. <laughs> I was so committed to him. I lost two tenths oh, on a non-playing Mason nice. Greenwood. Nice. You should have kept him. I should have kept it him. Gone back exactly up. right. No, the whole issue with Mason Greenwood was that he was not playing. And then he starts playing, and he basically had a 99% conversion rate on shots on target. It was absurd. Here's the bottom line, though. OGS is going to have to do something that I don't know he can do because it seems to be the hardest thing a manager can do, and that is he's going to have to rotate his squad through a season where he's going to play Champions League football. He didn't have to rotate his squad in Project Restart. At all. And he didn't. And rightfully so. He wore his starting 11. Except in the FA Cup. Well, sure. Right. But he wore down his starting 11. He, he he wore them into the ground. But that was his starting 11 because that was his 11. He's got to navigate now a Champions League season, uh, a you know Champions League campaign in the midst of a season. He's going to have to show that he can do that. I don't know that United's going to be nearly as valuable in the new season with that in mind as they were here in Project Research. It could take some... I mean, you expect it'll take them some time to, to figure it out. I'm going to need play, to know... And to play into the league, yeah, for Sancho and for Werner. I mean, I think yeah. you, I think both players, I mean, it's going to maybe will take a minute, but... I'm going to also need to know what the new Champions League schedule looks like in the new season, because that's going to have an impact for me on what United is able to do. Because they're not going to throw away Champions League matches. They're going to have to rotate. All right. So, Jaden Sancho... 
wait and see. Nathan Ake seems no, like he's... not wait and see. No? No, he's an instant impact. All Anyways. of United is wait and see for me. Well, All for of you, United. For you and only you. Jaden Sancho, for instant me, impact. Not only. Anyone who's smart is going to wait and see on how OGS anyone is going to manage his squad. Anyone who is not looking at the writing on the wall says... I mean, You said the same thing about Aubameyang when he came in from Dortmund. And what did he do? Awesome. Sancho is going to come in, and it's going to be awesome. Mark it down. But not Werner, who was awesome in the Bundesliga. <laughs> the but, same league. But not Werner. <laughs> Look. Same club. You already no, know. Not the same, it's not it's the same. A big factor is going to be prices compared to proven, and, proven and unproven prices, commodities. And, right. and the, right. the only thing you're going to say is, is, are these guys, is the price point enough for me to consider them over Kane, over Aubameyang, over... Jane Sancho, uh, over Jamie he'll Vardy. be a midfielder probably, right? Probably? That's a great question, but yeah, probably. But I'm saying So what's his price gotta be? If it's if it's in that awkward sun Polisic nine it's gonna pound be a, range. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be in a pog book. Are you buying him? Uh yeah, well, yeah. Like think what probably, think yeah. what it's Over gonna Pulisic. do. I, well, just think, a healthy Polisic. Uh healthy Polisic or Sancho? Polisic start season won't be healthy. I don't know. He says he's going to be back. As of 11 hours ago, as we're sitting here, he said he's going to be back soon. He's a player. He's not a doctor. It's going to, I mean, think of what it will do to impact the price of, say, Bruno Fernandez, who was, I'm not going to, I was own pricey Bruno. to, you know, a Brian. little bit to start and only went up and up yes. and up. You, I, I mean, owned you, Bruno through all of Project Restart. I will not own him to start the new season. I am fully wait and see on United. That's lunacy. It's not. He, I need to see look, a schedule. You don't own him at your own risk, and watch me own him and Bruno crush. Fernandez ended the season at nine pounds. He started. He came in at eight even, so he went up a full pound. And, and from, understandably and from, so from weeks from week twenty five. But he week also was guaranteed to play ninety minutes every match because OGS did nothing to rotate. He's going to have to do that, and he's got to actually work in the new season. He didn't have to do any work this past season. How in Project many people Restart. sold Bruno in week 38 based on his performances in weeks 35, 36, and 37? Can I confess something to you? Yeah. I put him on the number one spot on my bench, and he didn't, he didn't contribute to my overall points for that game week. Yeah, that stinks. And yeah, it I, does. And, and if I was building a team, if I got to free hit or wild card in week you 38, I in. would not have owned no. him. Absolutely no. not. And That's I'm why I sure benched him. The only reason why I did even remotely good in week thirty-eight was because I didn't. I decided not to sell him. I lucked into his eleven points. I can points. tell you something else. I did in game week thirty-eight plus. What? It was the epitome of the season for me. I triple captained Raheem Sterling and I played as a normal dude KDB. Brutal. Yeah. See, you hate those kind of moves. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is like you assume going into the beginning of the season. Bruno Fernandez is not going to be less than his final price at the end of this season. He's going to come in at nine. He'll come in at nine and a half. I'm not going to buy him. Right. That's what I'm saying. I think that's a. I think that's a perfect example of a guy. Dave, that's I'm like, not going to buy him. He was sitting a little deeper. I he, can't stop you from being stupid. But if what, Dave? What happens if <laughs> what happens if they move? Let's say they move uh, Marcus Rashford back to midfield. And and they're a similar price. You're gonna still choose Bruno Fernandez over Marcus Rashford. Is he on penalties? They're gonna share. T- they share penalties. Bruno Bruno will be on penalties. He's I don't he's know. A, he's hundred percent on them. Rashford will take at least a third of them. 
Rashford might not take any. Rashford misses penalties. Bruno has yet to miss one. Oh, come on. It's facts or facts. Pogba didn't miss Ra- for Rashford a while, and, and then he started missing. Yeah, Rashford <laughs> and Pogba are the, are the king. Who the hell is going to take the next penalty until Bruno shows Did, up? Didn't United take the most penalties? Anyways, let's move this along. What, I, I'm, what yeah, I'm saying neither is... Neither one of you own Bruno to start the year and, and do that in your, at your own peril. All right. We're all on record. I want the guy feeding all these other guys scoring and who's taking penalties. That, I think could, it's... that could be Pogba. We didn't see full United with Pogba, Bruno, all of those attacking guys until the very end of the season. That's Pogba. fair. That's fair. Bruno he... bumped back towards the end of the season. Pogba in terms is of... such a diva. He's not going, True. He's going nowhere near. Well, me. I'm just when, saying. When, when this next season starts for me, two players that will be in my team right KDB, now. KDB. Jaden Sancho. And Bruno Fernandez. Okay. I think you're half right on that. Fair enough. Uh, Nathan Ake seems like he's going to City. Speaking of KDB, sticking with City. Looks like Nathan Ake is going to get added to that defense. How do you feel about that, Dave? Anything could help. Laporte Laporte and Ake? If it's Laporte and Ake in that center defense. Sure. Great. Take 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 a Lewis Dunk and Laporte. I'm all, better. No, right? no. Listen, I'm take, all about. You gotta have the right guys in the right places. Put Tarkowski right? and Laporte. Okay, Tarkowski? great. <laughs> no, why not? <laughs> okay, here. Okay, let me let me just stop you. Let me just let me just keep talking here. Nathan Ake was the clear number one center back at Bournemouth. I don't think that was. I don't think he was ready for that. He was good. He's a very good center back. Let me be very clear about that. But I, I I compare this oftentimes to pitchers in baseball. Okay. There are certain pitchers who are aces, and then there are certain pitchers who are just not. They fit elsewhere in the rotation. Number two, number three, number four, number five. Still good. I think Nathan Ake is going to be a much better number two center back at City than he was a number one center back at Bournemouth. That's probably true. Laporte can be a number one center back. He's very good. Right. City's defense wasn't good. I mean, City anyone... without Laporte. Was it's different. Was it's horrible. Was bad it's in a way that cost them a competitive Second shot. Place. Right, the in competitive the shot in the horrible. Premier League. Yeah. Second place by like thirty points. Right, I mean, Liverpool, that's horrible. Liverpool had the second best season ever. To, to Pep standards, that's horrible. Okay, fair enough. But my point is, Nathan Ake is the number two center back. I don't think that makes him fantasy relevant necessarily, but no, I think he'll be it, better. Well, it just depends on where his price is going to be. No, no you're not going to choose him. Back. Why not? I'm not. You're going to pick the number two center back at City? What City player is going to be less than six pounds that you would think about? Why would they put their prices that high when their defense was such <laughs> Because they're Manchester City. That's yeah, okay, true. Okay, well, the freaking FPL people need to get it together. I don't Ed- think Ake is six, though. Ederson's going to be a lot. Ake, I, I think, think he will be. I think Ake starts If it. he goes there, sure, why wouldn't he I be? I mean, in fairness, who won the sticky mitt? Yeah, Ederson. How do you win that, Scott? You get the most clean sheets. Technically, City won the cut the most clean sheets. Yeah. Doesn't make much sense. Nicholas Otamendi started the season at five and a half. I think Ake starts at five. And maybe he's tempting at five. Five and a half or more? Are no we, way. I think, Are we guaranteed he's the starter? I was going to say, I think, if no. he's the, I think if he's the starter, I think five and a half, just on the sheer name value. Of but him. as we sit here, who are the other options? It's... Eric Garcia, John Stones, John Stones, no. and Fernandinho. No, well, it's not going to be Fernandinho. He's going to go back. He he has been a fill-in, so yeah. he's going to go back to his normal spot. I don't think you're. Buying, I don't think all. you're buying him, but I think that changes your outlook for 
you know, but the, I mean, the whole thing, you know how it is. If you have a Nathan Ake as the number two center back, it does it, make other players more attractive. I was going to say, it was, it's the rotation on everyone else. Yeah. Is, is Mendy going to be healthy and playing and not rotating and the way it always goes with them? Listeners, it just happened. We just made that transition from 1920 season to 2021 season. This is the fun time. This right is there. when we just did it. This is when Dave and then Brian and I can completely disagree on things. And who knows who's right at this point because nothing has been played yet in the new season. But we can discuss it. We can debate it, and that's part of the fun. Listen, we're already ready to go. We told you earlier. We'll say it again. We are going to have a summer of episodes, but we're going to take a, just a short break to make sure that we can regroup and set ourselves right for the new season. But stay subscribed, because we are going to continue to give you content. Uh, last summer, you, some of you already know this, You know, I had a short series of episodes on playing in a summer league, which was yeah, a lot of fun. It was good. And uh, I've, I've actually had a lot of people that I personally know who have engaged with our podcast by introducing them into that series last summer. We're going to have summer episodes, okay? But uh, we're also going to make sure that you are prepared before the kickoff and just over a month from now for the new season as well. So stay subscribed. Stay with us on social media. Anytime we have a new season, we, we regroup, we game plan, we come up with new stuff, fun things that we can do for the new season. Our Instagram account is what it is because last season, this time, we said this is what we're going to do on our Instagram feed. So stay with us. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our website, Patreon. If you're able and if you're willing – Feel free to support us. We're going to make some changes to that as well, but more on that to come. Stay, more than anything, stay subscribed to us wherever you listen to us uh, with your podcast feeds. Fantasy Soccer FC, and and as we have updates, we'll make sure that we let you know them. Awesome, Scott. Thank you much. Hey, Wait, you want to know one more thing? Not really. Yes, this is Brian's one last thing. Cameron Jerome... <laughs> <laughs> had 11 clear-cut chances in the 20... 27- Is this different from big chances? No, it's the same. Okay. It's the right. same thing. 11. In the 2016, 2017 season. 11. Okay. He missed nine of the of 11, 11 clear-cut clear cut chances. Okay. Yeah, the man... So that, so that is what got him the award. The man in sprayed the shots like a sprinkler. The second, the reason why Benteke overtook him is that... Christian Benteke in 2017-2018 had 23 clear cut chances mm-hmm. and scored three times. So it was strictly on volume. Percentage. Cameron yeah. Jerome had missed a lot in a in a double digit number, but still a low double digit number. Yeah. Christian Benteke missed 20 of 23. Jesus still had 14 goals and 8 assists. Right, and that's why I was saying okay. about Jesus right. is that Jesus still got you something. Brian, thank you for that one last thing. Hey, for the Fancy Soccer <laughs> FC Podcast, this is David Smith. Until next time.